the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. When we talk about gratitude, there are many examples of it in Scripture. Uh, Immediately when I think of gratitude, my mind goes to uh, a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. Paul faced a lot of difficulties in his life. He was often persecuted for his faith. He found himself oftentimes in prison for preaching the gospel. But even in the midst of all these difficulties that he went through, he bounced back. In fact, even there are times he's in prison and he writes letters to other Christians encouraging them in the midst of the most difficult circumstances in his own life. And Paul believed in the power of gratitude and how gratitude produced resilience inside of him. And he believed in it so much that he reminded us of a very important commandment that we're to live by as well. He lived by it, and we are to live by it also and to teach it to our children. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Here's the principle. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to be in the will of God, you must learn to do what? Give thanks, but it's not just give thanks occasionally or for the things that are going well in your life. It's to give thanks in all circumstances. There's the key. So Paul says, I've learned in my life. He talks about later, uh, I've learned to be content. I've learned how to deal with the adversities, to have plenty, to have lack in my life. Why? Because he was a person who gave thanks. It's a calling and a commandment for us as well. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 20, he repeats a similar commandment for us. Always doing what? Say it with me. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for the things that go well? No. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The principle is repeated again. He's talking to us about this ingredient that needs to go on the inside of the basketball, we might say, of our lives to build it into our children. It is the attitude of gratitude in all situations. Jesus himself demonstrated this. You might recall a time in Jesus' life and ministry when he'd been preaching, and he had a whole bunch of people there with him, 5,000 men, the Bible says, plus the women and the children that were in the crowd. So it could have been maybe 15, 20,000 people. We don't know exactly how many were there, but Jesus finishes his preaching, looks at the crowd, realizes that they're hungry, they need something to eat, and so he makes the, the, the appeal to his disciples, find something to feed all of these people. Well, the disciples think he's crazy. What do you mean? Find something to feed. There's 5,000 men plus the women and children. How do you expect us to feed everybody? And nevertheless, Jesus encouraged them, go look and see what you can find. And they came back. You remember the story. They found a little, little boy who had a lunch, and he had five loaves and two fish. And they brought five little pieces of fish and two little pieces of bread, and they brought them to Jesus. 
Now, in that situation, stay with me on this because here's the situation. You've got as many as 20,000 people to feed. You've got five little pieces of bread and two little fish. That seems like total inadequacy for the need. Would you agree with me? And you, you could have easily said, what do you expect me to do? You should have found more than this. Why is there not more here? He could have been very ungrateful. But I want you to see what Jesus does in John chapter 6. Jesus then took the loaves, those five loaves, and what did he do next? What did he do? He gave thanks. This little bit that he had, he still thanked God for it. All he had was five loaves, and he thanked God for the five loaves and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. What does it mean he did the same? What did he do? He gave thanks to fish. He gave thanks for the fish as well. Even though it seemed to be inadequate to the circumstance, he gave thanks for it. And out of this thanksgiving came a miracle. I will tell you that many times in life, your miracle is waiting for your gratitude on the front end, not the back end, the front end. That you start thanking God before you see the answer. Jesus was thanking the Father for being the one that would bring provision. He had the attitude of gratitude, and that gave him the ability to be resilient in the face of an impossible situation. He saw a resource when everybody else only saw a need. He gave thanks for what he had rather than for what he didn't have. There was no grumbling in Jesus. There was only gratitude in him. I want to talk to us today about how we develop this attitude of giving thanks. How do we think thanks? How do we, in everything, give thanks, being in the will of God? How do we do like Jesus when it seems as though life is giving us very little? How do we maintain gratitude and allow that little to be everything that we need in the midst of a grateful heart? Number one, you and I need to remember that we as human beings are wired for the negative. Wiring is important. Your brain is a, is a function of wiring. Neurons in your brain wires, wire together based upon thought processes. And when it comes to developing a spirit of gratitude, you have to understand that we as human beings, we are wired by sin, by sinful nature. We are wired by negative, painful life events, hurtful things that have happened to us. We are wired by a basic survival instinct uh, toward the negative. You have a tendency, as do I, to lean toward the negative rather than toward the positive. Whether you realize it or not, you are consistently looking for and seeing bad over good. Inside your brain, your brain is an interesting organ of your body. It's an amazing organ of the body. And uh, there's a limbic system in your brain, and right in the middle of that limbic system is something called the amygdala. And the amygdala is a little almond-shaped thing in the middle of your brain, and part of the function of the amygdala, it's not the only function, but part of the function of the amygdala in your brain is to always be looking for threats around you, always be looking for what might could be damaging or dangerous to you. And so you're living with this orientation. In fact, according to some researchers, about two-thirds of the neurons in your amygdala are always looking for the negative. Only one-third of that little, that little part of your brain and that system in your brain is looking for the positive. Two-thirds are always on the look for something dangerous. Now, if there's a bear coming your way, it probably is a good thing to have an overactive amygdala. Okay. 
If you got a tiger that's about to destroy you, it's probably a good thing that your amygdala is going toward the negative. It's going to make you run. But it's not so good when it comes to relationships. It's not so good when it comes to the interactions of life. What happens is it puts us in this wiring toward the negative. I told you a few weeks ago, or months ago, I should say now, uh, when I was teaching a message on our thought processes, I talked about the fact that according to certain researchers, about 80% of our thinking is negative in nature. 80%. It's called the negativity bias, and everybody has it. It's a legacy of a sinful, broken world that we live in. It's a legacy of basic instincts that we have for survival. And it's just, as it has been said, your brain has Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive. If you don't know the difference between Velcro and Teflon, one grabs and holds onto and Teflon shields away. And so our brain, like Velcro, grabs the negative and then tends to shield away what is positive in life. Now let's add to it the spiritual dimension. Not only are we wired that way, but there is a devil who's active in our world, active in attacks against us, and the devil traffics, traffics in negative. The devil will never give you good news. Let me say that again. The devil never comes around and says, hey, I got some good news for you today. Everything the devil is going to say to you is always going to to feed into fear and feed into worry and feed into negativity and feed into grumbling and complaining in your life. Why? Because he traffics in the negative. He traffics in that sort of that, that addiction too. He wants you to be addicted to everything that could be wrong and bad in your life. Why? Because it moves you out of an atmosphere of gratitude, an atmosphere of praise. That's why we're told over and over again in Scripture that we have a battle that's going on in all of us and the battleground is in our brain, in our mind. We have to take captive our thoughts. Take a look at what Paul says very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, to make sure that we're living in the good news rather than the bad news, because Christ came and preached the gospel, and the word gospel means good news. We're wired by sin and by life circumstances and by the influence of darkness. We are wired for negativity. We are wired for a negativity bias in life. It is much easier to think of our disadvantages than it is for us to think of our advantages. It's much easier for us to think of what we lack in life rather than what we have in life. It's very easy for us to think what we're missing rather than what's been provided for us. It takes practically no effort at all to be negative. Almost no effort at all to be negative. And sadly, we oftentimes don't realize how much that negativity, that wiring is costing us. One author, as I was reading and preparing for this message, stated it this way. He said that ingratitude, this negative complaining, negativity in our life, is one of the fastest ways for you to destroy your own brain cells. I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought it was pretty powerful. That negativity is one of the fastest ways for you 
to destroy the brain cells. And I tell you what, I don't have any brain cells to spare. How about you? Okay. I need to hold on to every one of the ones that I have. Right. And so I don't want to be missing any. I don't want to be killing my brain cells. And so I, I want to learn something about how to be on the right side of this equation. So the first thing is to understand that we are wired by nature and wired by the adversary for the negative. Here's our second principle today. Number two, the mouth speaks what the mind thinks. While gratitude starts with thinking, or ingratitude also starts with thinking, it goes beyond thinking to speaking. I'll give you another word here on the board. You may want to say it with me. It's a very important word. What is that word? Loops. What is a loop? A loop is a closed circuit that repeats and feeds itself. That's all a loop is. A closed circuit that repeats and feeds itself. This is how gratitude or ingratitude works. It works in a loop because what we think, we say. And what we say, we hear. And what we hear is reinforced. Let's go back again and review that. What we think, we say. Anytime you think something, the only way you know what you thought is it somehow gets translated into words. That's how you know what you thought. And so a word, it may be only words that you say to yourself. That's called self-talk that you have. And all of us are pretty good at talking to ourselves. Do you have conversations with yourself from time to time? Of course you do. And so whatever you think, It turns into a thought that you say to yourself or to someone else. And when you say it to yourself or to someone else, you hear what you just said. And if it was a negative thought and now you've spoken a negative word to yourself or to someone else, now you've heard yourself say what you just said negative and it feeds right back into your thinking again. So there's this loop that goes round and around and around and it loops us into a negativity cycle of life. Let me give you a diagram. These are not on your notes, but perhaps this will help you. We have negative thoughts. Negative thoughts produce negative words, either to other people or self-talk. Negative words. Negative words create more reinforced negative thoughts. So the more you say negative things to yourself or the more you say negative things to others, all you're doing is reinforcing more of those negative thoughts because you're hearing yourself say those things and it's feeding right back into the system and that produces an habitual negative speech. So you begin pretty much everything you say. If you monitored your self-talk, it's pretty much negative most of the time, perhaps even more than 80% of the time. And then that produces this habitual negative negative mindset, and the loop just goes on and on and on. This is where many of us are trapped right now. We're trapped in a negative set of thinking patterns that are producing negative words, that are continually reinforcing reinforcing those thoughts, that are creating more negative speech, that are putting us in a consistent, habitual negative mindset. And I will tell you what happens when that process happens in your life that I've just described here. It's like taking pins or taking a knife and putting it into this basketball, okay? And whenever you put a pin or multiple pins or knives into this basketball, no matter how small they are, what happens to the air on the inside? See, negative thinking does that to you. It drains all the air. And so you start wondering, why am I not bouncing back? Why are my kids not bouncing back? Because you've created a negativity loop in your life, and you're losing resiliency. That's why 
positive approaches to living and faith and gratitude. These are extremely valuable things to you and me. Why? Because what you, what you think you end up speaking, you end up saying. It's part of our life. Here's another thing I want to remind you of. These loops get passed on to people around you. They don't stay with you. Research has proven that negativity spreads faster than positivity. Let me let that sit there for a moment. Negativity spreads faster than positivity. In fact, in relationships, it's been proven that for every negative word, let's say in a marriage relationship, for every negative word you speak to your spouse, every condemning or destructive word you speak to your spouse, you're going to need about 10 positive words to make up for one negative word. About 10 positive words to make up for every one negative word that you speak. That means that, hey, I spoke something negative. I got, I've got to speak 10 positive things just to get back to zero. I haven't made any ground then. I just, I just made up for what I messed up. Okay. And so this is important to us. You've got to understand that our mind goes in this direction. I'll give an example. It, it, I, it, every weekend, at the end of every service, I go to the back door and I shake hands with people as they're going out of the door. And oftentimes people will come through. Hey, thank you, pastor. Great message. Thank you, pastor. Great message. Thank you, pastor. Great message. Then one person comes along and says, I really didn't understand that message. That didn't make any sense to me at all. Okay. Spiritual knuckleheads. Okay. And I go home, and what do you think I think about? It's like I totally forget about the hundred people that came through and said what a great message it was. And I think about that one comment that that person, I'm spending all Sunday night trying to figure, what did I say? How did I? It, it just troubles me. Why? Because we're wired toward the negative, and a negative thought, I speak it over, it begins a pattern in me, and before long, I'm losing sleep over one person, okay? One person. You do the same thing. A thousand people could say to you, how wonderful, ladies, how beautiful you look today, and one person could say, why did you wear that dress? And before long, what's the focus on that one thing? It happens to all of us. So we have to understand that our words are linked to our thinking and our thinking are linked to our words and it affects our homes. In fact, I would say it this way. There are many homes today that are actual disaster zones because of this process right now. They're disaster zones because people are bombarding one another with negative thoughts and negative words. And the whole atmosphere. See, if, you, if 80% of your thought processes are negative, what do you think 80% of your words are going to be? Negative. And you can give your kids the greatest education. You can send them to Harvard or Yale or wherever you want to send them and give them the greatest education in the world. You can provide them the greatest extracurricular activities. You can put them in the most perfect, greatest church in the world. But I promise you, you will undermine almost all of that if you have this kind of stuff going on in your family. Why? Because you're draining away the very thing that gives a child the ability to be prepared for the road that God is calling them to in life. That is not preparing the road for the child, but preparing the child for the road that they will move down. The mouth speaks what the mind thinks. Here's our third final point today. Gratitude takes what? 
practice. Gratitude isn't a few words that you speak from time to time when you feel like it. No, real gratitude is a way of life. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of speaking. It's a change in your life not based upon emotions. Gratitude is not a feeling. You may feel grateful at times. It can be expressed in feeling, but generally that feeling of gratitude is actually more of a secondary feeling. It's more joy that you feel that comes out of gratitude. Gratitude is an action that produces feeling. In fact, it's been proven as well that if you will simply start a practice of gratitude on a regular basis, and a lot of of, uh, mental health experts encourage us to do something like a gratitude journal, and a gratitude journal is just maybe take uh, every morning uh, to write three things down that you're grateful for every day. And according to one expert I read this past week, they said if you'll do that for each day, three things, just three things you're thankful for each day, even in the midst of some severe discouragement you may be in, in three weeks' time, your entire mood can be changed just by gratitude alone. Because it's a practice that you get involved in. It's something you do. It takes a response on your part, not based upon what you feel. Gratitude is not an emotion. You don't wait till I feel grateful to express gratitude. Most of you have text messaging on your phones, and you'll realize that from time to time you'll use something called an emoji. You know what an emoji is, right? An emoji, a little smiley face or a sad face where there's no emoji for gratitude. There's an emoji for joy. There's an emoji for, uh, there's, there's, there's little phrases that say thank you, but there's no emoji for gratitude. There's emojis for, the, for what gratitude produces in you, but gratitude is an action. It is something that you and I must do based upon a commitment, not based upon a feeling. Unrealistic expectations in your life. Put a stop to it. You're never going to be happy if your, your expectations are always unrealistic. If you expect your spouse to always be loving and kind and the perfect romantic person 24-7, 365, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be a very grateful person because they're not going to meet your expectation. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be grumbling and complaining because you had an unrealistic expectation. If you expect life to always go perfect, where did you get the idea that life was supposed to be easy? Where'd you get that idea from? It's not true at all. It's an unrealistic expectation that, that we're to go through life and never have any problems. Well, what planet are you on? Okay. A planet that I live on is a planet that has lots of problems. How about you, right? Difficulties and things that we deal with, but we build these unrealistic expectations. Where did you get the idea? Where did you get the idea that you could have everything that you want? You can't have everything that you want. You're never going to have everything that you want. Because as soon as you get what you want, there's something else you want that you haven't gotten. And when you get that, there's something else you want that you still haven't gotten. There'll always be a chasing of something else in your life. You'll never get everything that you want in life. You will never be anything you want to be. People, just, just, whatever, just dream it. You can do, do be anything you want to be. No, you can't. Because they're not looking realistically at life. Life is hard. Life is difficult. You're going to have problems. 
Stop thinking that because you have a problem, it's some horrible thing. No, problems are a part of life. They come with life. Even Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have some problems, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. This I'm going to help you in the process of it. And so adjust your expectations. Get rid. Stop it. Everybody say stop it. Okay. Stop it with your kids. Don't build in your kids this expectation that life should be perfect and everything should go well. They should get everything that they want in life. Sometimes they need not to get what they want just to learn that life is like this. They're not going to get everything that they want in life. And so you got to set it up for your kids or else you're doing them a disservice if you're always trying to give them everything that they want. Okay. Sorry, kids. Okay. I'm helping you. Okay. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.